of Moses says that the Lord revealed that of all of his creations, which we know they are, I think, without number, but they're numbered to the Lord, There, are, we know from the scriptures that there are worlds without end that have been created on which other others of God's children live and go through similar experiences to ours, always under the plan of salvation. But in the book of Moses, it says that the Lord says that of all his creations, this one is the most wicked. Do you have any insight about that? Oh, I do. And I don't often talk about this, but I feel that we, we need to address this. And uh, when we brought the plan before the most high God or God creator of all to propose it to him, he saw the trials that we were facing. See, the, the Most High God cried and shook and was so troubled because he could see with this environment of all the worlds he had created that this was going to be the most wicked. And through this, there was a possibility at that time in which his son, who would act as our Savior and our Redeemer, could be killed on a cross and offer his life up, which had never been done on any other world that he had created to kill the savior of those worlds. And so he mourned and he shook and he cried. And I can remember kneeling there with the group of us and crying ourselves and, and going back to the drawing board, trying to draw plans and trying to draw other things. And so the final thing that allowed us that he says, okay, go ahead, was because we designed in a period on this earth of a thousand years, which we call the millennium, in which Lucifer and all of those that chose to go with him will be bound and set aside. And so we could live in peace and understanding and growth during this time for a thousand years. And that's hard to comprehend with everything that's going around us to have him completely and those out of our lives. But this will give them an opportunity to clearly see what God's about and in a body and everything else. But now at the end of this, this kicker here that Lucifer will be loosed with his third of host of heaven for a short period of time to test them again to see if they are worthy to stand with God and with Christ after being in his presence a thousand years. So how hard is that going to be? You know, so I'm going to read some verses in support of uh, many of the concepts that you just talked about. Let us turn to Moses chapter 7, verse 24. And there came generation upon generation, and Enoch was high and lifted up, even in the bosom of the Father and of the Son of Man. And behold, the power of Satan was upon all the face of the earth. I'm going to skip down to verse 28. And it came to pass that God, the God of heaven, looked upon the residue, the residue of the people, and, and he wept. And Enoch bore record of it, saying, How is it that the heavens weep and shed forth their tears as the rain upon the mountains? And he goes on to say, With all these things, millions of earths like this would not be a beginning to the number of thy creations. How can you weep? 
<clears throat> I'm skipping over here. <clears throat> In the interest of time, I go to verse 33. The Lord says to him, <clears throat> I'm sorry, let's go to verse 32. Be, the Lord said to Enoch, Behold, these thy brethren, they are the workmanship of mine own hands. And I gave unto them their knowledge in the day I created them. And in the Garden of Eden gave I unto man his agency. And that really is the you know pinnacle. You can choose <clears throat> stay in the garden, have a cushy life, or take the fruit and go out there and bear children and and uh, live in the lone and dreary world and earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. Okay, verse 33. And unto thy brethren have I said, and also given commandment that they should love one another, that they should choose, there's that word, right? Choose me, their father. But behold, they are without affection and they hate their own blood. And he goes on and he says, and the fire of my indignation is kindled against them. And in my hot displeasure, will I send in the floods upon them for my fierce anger is kindled against them. Remember, this is before, I guess this is, uh, I'm not sure this is before the flood of Noah or not, but it's in the same time frame. He goes on to say, wherefore I, I can stretch forth mine hands and hold all the creations which I have made, and mine eye can pierce them also. <clears throat> and among the workmen, all the workmanship of mine hands, there has not been so great wickedness as among thy brethren. And here's the catch, verse 37. But behold, their sins shall be upon the heads of their fathers. Satan shall be their father, and misery shall be their doom. And the whole heavens shall weep over them, even all the workmanship of mine hands. Wherefore should not the heavens weep, seeing these shall suffer? So, you know, this is the price of agency. Agency to be exalted or to be damned. And the Lord wants it only to go one way. But that's that's where ahead. our focus needs to be. So going forward and on another time where we have a little bit more, maybe we should go over your grandfather's experience where he saw the three degrees of glory. And we have that in scripture and too, and, and how that people are divided into the celestial kingdom, the, the kingdom and the, the terrestrial kingdom and then the telestial kingdom, but to have different degrees of glory because of their commitment to God. And, you know, like in our plan of salvation, we only talk about those that reach the celestial kingdom. And we often think, well, the rest of them are all damned, no matter where they are. And that's even though we skip over that, there's more to this plan. And that's where we start to come up with remnants. And uh, so now we have these groups that weren't so totally committed. Then would they don't get to be with us. They don't get to be with us in the same glory and stuff and how much we would cry and suffer if we have to go back and visit them in another area that they can't be with us. And so we need to keep our eyes totally focused on the end goal and the end game of the celestial kingdom and living with Christ in his glory and his kingdom that will be here upon the earth after it's baptized with fire and, and cleansed from all iniquity, you know. Anyway, I don't know that we want to go too much more in depth there, but it's a powerful concept that really the only end to everything is to deny the Holy Ghost, which we don't completely understand, or to kill 
in innocent blood with a full knowledge and stop all of our progression and everything else. You know, in talking about the Lord showing the levels of glory that we can attain, I remember that when it comes to the lower levels, uh, here we go, DNC 7647. This says, wherefore he saves all except them, meaning the sons of perdition. They shall go away into everlasting punishment, which is endless punishment, which is eternal punishment, to reign with the devil and his angels in eternity, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched, which is their torment. And the end thereof, neither the place thereof, nor their torment, no man knows. Neither was it revealed, neither is, neither will be revealed unto man, except to them who are made partakers thereof. Nevertheless, I, the Lord, show it by vision unto many, but straightway shut it up again. Now, I've read accounts where people saw, you know, this last place. And people ask to not see it. They ask that it be taken away from them. And the Lord shuts it up. He wants us to focus on the positive part of his plan where we have so many opportunities to inherit glory, hopefully the ultimate glory is in his presence. Uh, any final thoughts on that topic? You know, oh. there's a movie out there called Flatliners that came out, you know, probably the early 90s, late 80s, where these doctors experimented by wanted to see the other side and they would inject themselves and go to the other side and then bring themselves back. And there are so many principles in there that were true in that when they went to the other side, and they had not sought forgiveness, not sought to use the atonement to become one with Christ, that they relived the negative things they had done to others. Not only did they have the knowledge of what they did, but they could be in the body of the person that they had harmed or brought ill to and had to live it through their eyes with the full knowledge that they have. And that is truly what hell is. And repeating that over and over and feeling the torment of what you did to somebody else and things. And mm -hmm. they were given the opportunity to come back and to relive their lives and to seek forgiveness and get on that path again. And I think that that is so special. And I love the principle that that movie shows in that and how it tugs at your heartstrings in that way. Hmm. Well, I know that there's a lot more to cover about future events is there anything, though, related to our pre-mortal existence that helps us to prepare or would help our listeners to prepare for the end times that we haven't covered? I would just like to remind everybody that I'm hoping that we can spark something within you, a memory or a something, a type of person that you are, that you will remember your given talent that you came here with to help out in these times ahead of us, to join us together as one. And that we have to understand that as we see tribulation ahead of us, what the whole purpose of it is for, and to remember that underneath this wave that everything is seeing, there is this wave of peace and Christ-like stuff so that not only is the wickedness and the trial increasing, but the righteousness and the togetherness and the feelings of heaven and building up the kingdom of Zion and preparing for this thousand years of peace are building 
just like the city of Enoch had built and they had done. But we have, he had, what, 364 years or something to create his city. We're going to have about seven years. <laughs> mm. So it's such a challenge ahead of us, but we would not be here if we didn't, if they didn't think on the other side that we could pull this off. And well, how many I know. eyes are watching us at this time and counting on us. I know that if we're given a short amount of time, if we go back to First Nephi 3, 7, if we're commanded to do something, the Lord's going to make a way, prepare a way for us to accomplish the thing that he commands us to do. And the fundamental purpose of this podcast is to understand that we are required and it is our great privilege to build up Zion and create a kingdom that Jesus Christ can come back can come back to in his second coming. And he's not going to come until it's been started. It's just not going to happen. It's one of the prophecies that it must be on the earth when he comes. And we have to we get the opportunity to participate. And I know that the acceleration of this process is going to occur once the wicked and the righteous are separated as I read in the scriptures, particularly 35 chapter 21, as Jesus Christ explains the book of Isaiah to some extent. And the 10 tribes are going to come and they're going to bring with them their knowledge and their scriptures. And they're going to assist in building the new Jerusalem. And of course, that's just the epicenter. There's a lot more going on in other places where the saints are gathered. And then we and, have the city of Enoch returning to help build the city of New Jerusalem. So we have right. two separate groups coming back, and not just one. So we're but, going to get we're going to get it done, right, Sean? <laughs> exactly. And you know the pattern of the old one. I mean, John the Baptist was sent as a forerunner to prepare the way for Christ, just like Isaiah talks about the servant that will come to be a forerunner to prepare the way for Christ to come. And so we have these distinctive patterns that we're going to find in the scriptures in the coming weeks as we see prophets that could see our day. And with the dreams and visions of mine and others, it will strengthen what these scriptures are saying and, and hopefully help our listeners to prepare and know that there's a plan that we need not fear. I hope so, that that with you need not fear. So when it comes to in individual preparation, I can't encourage you enough, if you are a member of the church, to seek out your patriarch and get a patriarchal blessing. And if you have already received it, break it out and review it and ponder and pray over the meaning of those inspired words. And I would also encourage you beyond that because that might set a general pattern for your life. But I would also encourage you to seek out priesthood blessings. And I can testify to you as a person who's been privileged to give a few blessings in my life. That if the Holy Spirit is present, and for those of you who are blessed with the priesthood authority to give a blessing, if you, I, what I like to do is say a prayer before giving a blessing and invite the Spirit to be there and on some occasions to cast out any adverse spirits to make sure they're not going to come around during the blessing okay that's just something that i've done for many many years anyway when you have that opportunity i will tell you 
I will tell the people receiving the blessing and the people giving the blessing that the giver, just meaning the the instrument in the hands of the Lord, is going to find out exactly how much the Lord knows about his children. Because if you are a conduit for the Spirit, you're going to learn things about that person when you have your hands on their head that you had no idea. And I have seen or felt the Lord's love, concern, and his treasuring of his children giving a blessings. And to see his children through his eyes is truly uh, a privilege. You know, Craig, I, d I don't want to overlook, you know, you and I have studied some things for years, like uh, when people have raised others from the dead. And in those circumstances, they wash their hands and face in preparatory to giving the blessing and how once we understood that, I started doing that and what a difference it made in being a tool in Heavenly Father's hand or being a mouthpiece or a conduit for him when I prepared myself in that way by washing my hands and face beforehand. I've never done that uh, before, but I have done the prayer. And uh, prayer has been, maybe there's different ways to prepare and maybe I should try that method. But I do know that yeah, there are there are just certain steps we can take to prepare, and I just wanted to say that the Lord the Lord knows you. Uh, any holder of the priesthood who's had a chance to set somebody apart for a calling, or give a child a blessing before starting school, which is usually when I've given my blessings to my children, or if they're going on a mission, give them a father's blessing. It's such a privilege. I really hope you brethren out there will uh, seek opportunities, invite your family members or whoever, if you feel impressed, someone else, uh, you know, be available for people who need to be encouraged or who need to be lifted up and feel the Lord's love for them. The Lord has just one requirement, and that is a willing heart to receive a blessing and a willing heart to be the mouthpiece of the Lord. And you'll just see great things happen, and, and you'll get better at it as you have opportunities to serve that way. I truly testify that I had opportunity in the VA hospital to give blessings and thought that I was inadequate, and yet the Heavenly Father used me in, in, as a weak and young man and not knowing much because I was willing that I was able, the Heavenly Father was able to bless the lives of others through my willingness to help. The with Lord blessings. has said, I'm sorry. Just saying with blessings. Yeah. The Lord has said, if we will open our mouths, that they will be filled. It's a really simple formula and it does take courage to to do it when you haven't had that muscle exercised but when you try it just like bearing your testimony in church if you want to get a testimony go up and open up your mouth and see what comes out because the angels will be there to catch you and they will give you the words uh, there's no better way to give a, to learn how to give a blessing than to just trust in the lord because you have to remember it's not you doing it <laughs> that's the thing I try not to ever say anything in a blessing unless the unless I feel prompted to say the words. But at the same time, if I have ideas going through my head about what I should say, if I don't say them, I will lose the spirit. 
You have to act on your promptings when giving a blessing and not be afraid to say the words and the thoughts that are coming to your mind. Just say them. And if you start to say them and speak them, the spirit will support you in what you're saying. Or it will correct you and say, that's not exactly right. And you just you just go plow ahead. And it's a muscle that you can exercise. And it is so needed. People need to know that the Lord loves them. And there's nothing more personal than giving a blessing. And here's a couple of reasons why. One, you're the mouthpiece of the Lord. And number two, there's a good chance that if you've been asked to give a blessing, someone has already been pondering and struggling for an answer. I can't tell you how many times when I've given a blessing, someone has said, you answered every single concern that I've been thinking about. And what an opportunity to give someone a reinforcement that the Lord loves them and that he knows what they want and what they need. And that to get that from another person is a witness and their, their love for the Lord grows, their confidence in the Lord grows. So brethren, it's such a powerful tool, giving blessings. I, I hope that you'll do use it. It's a step that just will be so needed in the future. And by doing it a little now and a little here, that we'll be ready for what's ahead of us, where lives count upon the blessings and our loved ones and our family members will, there'll be life and death, whether or not we can give a blessing. So it is that important. Well, in closing, Sean, I think next time we, we have the discussion, why don't we talk about, there's been lots of scriptural and prophetic accounts about the last days, and maybe we can, they're so consistent with one another. I mean, I haven't read many prophecies about what happens in, in Africa, for example, but there's been a ton of visions, revelations, uh, prophetic statements made about what's going to happen in the United States of America or in the Americas. And I, I think sometime we could talk about those things. Yeah, I mean, we started to talk about the financial reset. And I think as we go on, the, the next step is that triggering of the next few events of the Civil War, things that occur during that time period and, and talking about what the Lord will be doing behind the scenes to strengthen these people and to build these people step by step as we go through this period of seven years. And this is directly related to what we learn about in the war in heaven. The number one move, the number one move is to take away our agency. This is the fundamental key. And this is what they're working on is to consolidate power into the hands of a few who think they know better, but in many cases are godless, non-believers, seriously involved in sins that block their judgment and cloud their ability to commune with the Lord and know the Lord's will. Okay. And in some cases, which I can't point fingers exactly, but it's pretty obvious to me that in some cases they're directly communicating with either adverse spirits or Satan, because we know since the time of Cain that there's been plans that by murdering to get gain, 
This is the great secret. And Sean alluded to it as well. Sean was shown how he could advance himself in the world and be worldly and be wealthy and be successful if he would just accept Satan as his God, let's say. And there are people who have already agreed to do that. And some of these plans are covert and some of them are not so covert anymore. We're seeing the unveiling, as the Lord said, shouting from the rooftops, we're going to see everything unfolding. And it's being unrolled right now, no doubt about it, in a, in a, in a, at a scale that I've never seen in my whole life. Yes, yes, it is. And don't let it overwhelm you and don't let fear overtake you because God has a plan and we have the scriptures as our guide. We have everything we need. The spirit is ready to be poured out. Joel chapter 2, the spirit will be poured out upon his people. Upon old men, young men and women, everyone. It's the Lord is begging for us. As we said last time, the angels just are waiting for a prayer, a wisp of a prayer. They have been prepared to assist us, but we have to unlock it. Because why? Because the Lord cannot force his will upon us. Okay, we are the boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. We are the boots. And the boots need to be asking for the Lord. And they are so ready to help. It isn't even close, is it, Sean? The power of the Lord versus the power that Satan wields. All Satan can wield is the power that people give him. Okay, God has power that far exceeds. His power does not arise from whether we decide to listen to him or not does it sean no not at all in fact everything that lucifer and that group does is an imitation of god they have no power to create it's all an imitation of those things and that's why we see so many holy and sacred symbols and sacred things being changed or slightly changed to signify him to lead us away from God and think that they are in charge. Satan has no originality. God has a kingdom. He wants a kingdom. God does this. He tries to do that. It's always a counterfeit, just like a counterfeit bill. He has no originality whatsoever. And, but he's good at imitation and the imitation can look in some ways, like the real thing. So we have to be careful, but the elect will not be deceived. Okay. We, that's why I have to be vigilant, just like uh, we're described, describes in Matthew chapter 24. Vigilant, we have to look for the signs, and the Lord tells us to be of good cheer. And uh, that is the goal, is to not, not be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. I, I keep thinking back about the time in the book of Acts when the apostles are imprisoned, beaten, and scolded and told to quit preaching <laughs> and it says they left the prison rejoicing that they could suffer shame for the savior and they went right back out and <laughs> kept preaching it didn't slow them down even for a second so that's a kind of courage and why because inside they were bursting with joy bursting with joy and happiness in the spirit. It didn't even come close to the persecution that they were experiencing. So,
be of good cheer. We love you and thank you for listening in. If you have any ideas, uh, please feel free to send an email to myvisionofzion at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again, thank Sean. You. you bet. Have a good okay. evening. Bye. Bye-bye.